0: Well, amen, you may be seated, and so very glad that you are here today. If I've not had the opportunity to meet you, let me introduce myself. My name is Alan, and I'm one of the pastors here at Downtown Church. I was thinking on my way in this morning as we're kind of moving into this Thanksgiving season is uh, I love the very familiar story, probably no doubt you've heard it, of the monastery in which all of the monks that lived in that particular monastery had to make a vow of silence, and only once a year were the monks allowed to speak, and when they spoke, they only were allowed to speak two words, and so there was one particular monk, his name was Ignatius, and it was that uh, anniversary of his arrival to that monastery, and so he stood before the bishop, and the bishop said to Ignatius, you may speak, to which Ignatius said, Food, cold, and so uh, and he just left, and so things went about, and another year went by, and again on that next anniversary, the bishop called for Ignatius to uh, to appear, and then he uh, he appeared, and so then uh, the the bishop said to Ignatius, Ignatius, you may speak to which ignatius said room cold that was it the third anniversary again the uh, ignatius appeared before the bishop and the bishop um, uh, the the bishop said to him he said uh, okay ignatius you may speak to which ignatius said i quit And so the bishop said to Ignatius, as Ignatius was walking out the door, well, I'm not surprised because all you've done is complain since you've gotten here. (laughs) And so I think about as we move into this Thanksgiving season, I want to challenge you this morning with really this very simple question. How's your heart? Is your heart grateful? Is your heart filled with thankfulness? And I really want us to explore this morning having a thankful heart. And the reason I want us to to think about that in light of God's word in moving into this week of thanksgiving is because all throughout the Bible, we are actually taught that God is more concerned with you and me more than anything else. It is our heart. The heart, when you think about when the Bible speaks of the heart, it's more than just the seat of emotions, it's much deeper. It is the deepest part of who you are. How is your heart? In fact, we know this. We know that in the scriptures, it says this, that God, it says that man is concerned with the outward appearances, but God is concerned with what? The heart. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, God, in accusing his people, says, with your lips you praise me, but your hearts are far from me. So what I want you to understand first and foremost before we even dive into the scripture is that God is concerned more than anything else with you. He is concerned with your heart. So as we're just a few days away from thanksgiving, how's our heart? When you have an opportunity to speak, do you speak with gratitude? Or is it complaining? Is it discontentment? Sometimes I think that regarding our hearts and our hearts being grateful and thankful, there are times in which there can be some blockages in our heart in which we're really not thankful the way we ought to be, the way really God expects and God requires of us. Take your Bible, if you would, and find the book of Numbers. It's there in the Old Testament, Genesis Exodus, Leviticus, and the book of Numbers. We don't often read the book of Numbers as a part of our daily devotion. We kind of refer to it as those clean white pages of the Old Testament. But the book of Numbers in chapter 11, let me give you a bit of context. What you and I are about to read in Numbers chapter 11, it's about 1400 B.C., For 400 years, the people of God have been enslaved in Egypt. They've been beaten, whipped, forced to oftentimes just make bricks. They're slaves, and they've been crying out to God in their pain and in their hardship. God hears their cries, and God sends a deliverer. A man by the name of Moses, and you know perhaps the story, but ultimately God uses Moses to deliver God's people out of bondage, out of slavery, out of Egypt. In Numbers chapter 11, they have been delivered out of slavery, and they're making their way through the wilderness to the land of promise. The land flowing with milk and honey. The land of abundance. But, but now they're, they're wandering in the wilderness. But in this wilderness, God continues to provide. In fact, God is providing this heavenly bread, this food from the sky called manna. Every day God is providing for his people. But it says this in Numbers chapter 11, and if you're new to downtown church, one of the things that we do, just in reverence to God's Word, is that we stand together for the initial reading. So if you would stand with me, follow along if you have your Bible. The words are there on the screen. But Numbers chapter 11 and verse number 7. Now the manna was like coriander seed, and its appearance was like that of medallium. And the people went about, and they gathered it and they would ground it into hand mills or they would beat it into martyrs and, and they would boil it in pots and they would make cakes of it and, and the taste of it was like the taste of cakes baked with oil. And, and when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell with it. That's kind of, that's kind of extraordinary, isn't it? That, that each morning, God's people would go out and there would be this, this substance on the ground. And they would, they would gather it. They would collect it. And they had, over time, they had different kinds of recipes. They had different ways that they prepared it. And it was kind of, a, it was kind of sweet. It, it almost was like when it was baked a particular kind of way, it had a little sweet taste to it. It was It was nutritious. It was actually healthy. It was probably gluten-free as they, as they took, took it. Every day. And, and every day they would have this manna. That's pretty remarkable. Look back, if you would, kind of back up to verse number four. Now the rabble that was among them had had a strong craving, and, and the people of Israel, they also wept again. In other words, they begin to complain, and they begin to, to say, Oh, oh, that if we had meat to eat. God, this, this manna is good, and we don't mean to complain, but it sure would be nice to have some meat. May God bless our reading of his word. You may be seated. I want, I want to invite you to take your pencil, your pen, something that you can write with, And maybe in the margin of your Bible or if you have a journal or something that you take notes with, I want us to, from this particular passage, I want to identify for you some signs, some symptoms, some indicators when there's been some heart blockage, when when our hearts are not truly thankful. And one of the signs, one of the indicators that that our heart is, is not thankful, it's just not right, is when miracles, number one, when miracles become routine. When miracles become routine. Now, the people, every day, were experiencing miracles, right? I mean, just think about it. This is food from the sky. As a matter of fact, you probably need to know this if you don't already, is that the word manna means what is it? So I want you to picture in your mind, there's about a million, a million and a half of the Hebrews who have been delivered out of Egypt. This is a very large number. So obviously they need food, they need water. But God not only provide the deliverance, But he provided daily. So there's just this miracle after miracle. But every day they would go out and there would be this miraculous food from heaven. And so you can imagine the first couple of days of this, they would go out and God would instruct them, look, look, just collect enough for today because tomorrow there's going to be a fresh batch. So don't worry about, like, saving it and collecting it and putting it in baskets and all that, but just go out and get enough for you and your family. So they would go out, and they weren't unsure what it it was, and they would would collect it, and and they would taste of it, and it was very good, and they came up with these different recipes and different ways to cook it, and and you can imagine that people are like, "This, this tastes pretty good. It actually kind of was sweet. And... You mean we don't, you mean we don't have to hunt, and we don't have to skin, and we don't have to gut, and we don't have to cure it, and we don't have to, we don't have to do all of that. Remember, this was back in the time, like early in America, that when the average person spent much of every day just collecting enough food to survive. So the people of God are kind of astonished. You mean we don't need to hunt, and we don't have to, Cure it and save it and you mean we could just, every day you're going to provide this and it's nutritious and it's and it tastes good? So it's miraculous, right? It, it's miraculous. However, after some time has gone by when they were thinking, man, it, it just can't get much better than this. You mean you're going to provide this manna every day guaranteed? Man, it just doesn't get much better than this, till after a while, they begin to grumble. You know, God, I mean, a little meat wouldn't hurt, right? I mean, just a little, I'm not, I'm not saying a filet, but maybe a little, a little flank steak, a little sirloin. I mean, hey, just a little meat. So they begin, the Bible says here, they begin to ramble. They begin to complain. They begin to speak among themselves. In other words, the miraculous has kind of become routine. And the new has worn off. I was thinking about a very famous quote from Emerson. Emerson said, That imagine that if the stars should appear, but one night every thousand years, how man would marvel and stare. Can you imagine if you lived in that time period in which the stars are going to be revealed? Imagine today what that would look like. We would all be out buying telescopes and, and cameras, and I mean, we would be so excited, right? And we would just build up, and we would... We would just lay back and as the stars revealed themselves, oh man, it would be it would be incredible. But the stars have just become routine. And so often those those small miracles in our lives, they just kind of become become routine. I want to share with you something that I began to to do. This is probably just two or three years ago, but Around this time, I've, I've taken my journal kind of between around Thanksgiving leading up to the end of the year. I take some time, a little bit every day for, for several days, and I make a list looking back on the year. For example, looking back on 2022, I begin to make a list of, of things that God did for for me. How God just kind of showed up, and how God provided, and I look back and I write down not just me, but my family. And I will say this, for probably the last three years, it's about two pages. It's about two pages full. And I just want to challenge you, and I know this week is probably a busy week. You perhaps are traveling or have people coming or gathering, but but between now and the end of the year. Just pull out a little journal and just make a list. Begin to reflect back. Lord, show me, looking back earlier this year, those times that you just showed up and the the times that you provided. It doesn't have to be some some huge, miraculous way, but just some small ways that God just showed up and God provided. And something that you may want to do with your family is maybe share that. And so what happens is, and what I'm saying to you is just simply this, don't let the little miracles become routine. Don't let the little miracles become routine. Now, let's uh, go back, and we're still here in Numbers chapter 11. I want you to look at verse number 5. Verse number 5 is the continuation of the complaining. All right? Verse number 5. Uh, we remember the fish that we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, um, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. Um, but, but now our strength is dried up, and, and there's nothing at all but this manna to look at. So I want you to picture, they're, they're in the wilderness, God's people some time has gone by. They're gathering the manna every day. They're coming up with as many different recipes as they can, different ways to cook it. It's nutritious. It's healthy. But picture there's one night and they're sitting around the campfire. And there's a group of those guys and they're talking, and and one of them says something like this: You know, I don't mean to complain about the manna, but man, I could just, I could just smell. The garlic and the onions that we used to cook back in Egypt. Now, I could just, I could just smell it. And the, the crunch of the cucumbers. I mean, they, you would just bite into those cucumbers and they were just so crunchy. And there's another guy who says, oh, the desserts, the melons, those juicy melons. Oh, those were the days. The good old days. That's what they're doing. Oh, the good old days. And nobody spoke up and said this, Yeah, but have y'all forgotten we were slaves? But it's the garlic and onions, the cucumbers, the fruit. They've totally forgotten that they were, in fact, slaves. They forgot about the bricks. They forgot about the beatings. They forgot about all that they endured, which really leads us to this second indication that our hearts are just not thankful. And it's when the past becomes an idol. When the past becomes an idol. And when we're remembering, we're reflecting on the past, but we kind of gloss over the negatives, right? We kind of gloss over. We actually, psychologists actually have told us that so often when we reflect back, we actually convince ourselves that it was better than it really was. And that's what, what happened there. I think that's just, psychologists tell us, by the way, there's just something in our psyche. That we look back and we gloss over a lot of the negative And we convince ourselves that it was better than it really was. Not long ago, I was telling Kathy, I was saying, do you know, remember when we first got married and our first little house? And do you remember like when we were first married, is that we would, in the evenings, we'd get a couple of quilts and, and you would snuggle up. We'd sit on the couch and, man, you would, you would, you, we'd snuggle up under those quilts. And I, I miss those days. And you know what she said? She said, the reason, if you remember, we had no heat. The little house that we lived in, she says, the church didn't that I pastored, wouldn't pay us enough because we had this big gas tank out back and if it ran out of gas to provide uh, heat we, we wouldn't have any heat so we had like three or four quilts she says remember remember the mildew that we'd have to scrape she says it wasn't the good old days Why is it that we do that, right? Why is it that we look back and we go, oh, it was so nice back then. No, it wasn't. Why do we do that? We're idiots. That's why I think we do that. But that's what we do. We kind of romanticize the past. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says this in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse number 10. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? for it's not wise to ask such questions. You know what it's basically saying? Don't romanticize the past. That's what that verse means. Stop romanticizing the past. Now, why should we not do that? Well, first reason is because usually we are historically inaccurate, all right? We're just We're just, that's inaccurate. We generally just don't speak the total truth about it. Also, it can become a form of of coveting, that we begin to covet those days or those things or that past. And what it leads to is a lack of faith and a lack of trust and ingratitude. So instead of being grateful for how God is working and God is providing in the present and trusting him for provision in the future, we're looking back and we're longing for that security of the past. And so what I'm saying to you, and listen carefully, I'm not saying that we're not to be thankful for how God's provided in the past. But what I'm saying is, is that if our eyes focus on the past, then we're not able to see what God is doing in the present and what he wants to do in the future. And so often we just, we begin to romanticize. So we need to think about that. We need to consider that. Let's, number one, when miracles become routine. Number two, when the past becomes an idol. There's something else that I want you to see as we kind of begin to wrap things up. So some years have gone by. Some time has gone by, and we find ourselves in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter number eight. Deuteronomy chapter number eight, we're still talking about the people of God. They're in the wilderness, but here's where we are in Deuteronomy chapter eight. They are about to move into the promised land right? They're about to move in. And God sends a word, beginning in verse number 10. He says to the people, now you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water who... Brought you, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you, to do you good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Here's the third indicator. So we talk about when miracles become routine, when the past becomes an idol. And number three, when my heart becomes proud. So they're about to move into the promised land, but before they move in, God says, hey, we need to have a meeting before we move in because here's what I'm telling you is going to happen. You're going to move into this land, and everything you have is going to multiply. I mean, you're going to have land that's fruitful. You're going to live in a great house. You're going to live a great life. I mean, everything you touch is going to be just blessed. But here's what's going to happen. You're going to forget. You're going to forget who brought you. And who delivered you. And who provided. In fact, you're going to say, man, look what I've done. So be careful. Because all that I've done is that you would remain humble. And not become proud. And arrogant. And forget me. So think about this. Think about for a moment all that you have. Think about your, your home and some of the, the things that you have, maybe the car that you have. Just think of some of the things that you have. Here's our tendency. Our tendency is, is well, Alan, I have these things because I work hard. I, I've accumulated these things. I, if we're not careful, we can have an attitude that we look at other people. And we may not say it out loud, but this is what we think. You, you could have this life if you'd work as hard as I work. So first of all, that's becoming very prideful. Number two, let me remind you: who gave you who gave you the gifts and the talents and the abilities so that you can work and earn and have what you have? So number one, who gave you those strengths and abilities and the intellect? And the skill set. Who gave you that? Who, by the way, gives you breath in your body daily? God. So, as you and I just kind of, just a few days away from Thanksgiving, how's your heart? When you open your mouth, is there a tendency toward discontentment and criticism and arguing? So, so this morning is just an opportunity for us to gather. And in a moment, our pastors are going to lead us in the Lord's Supper, in communion. And there's no better time to pause and say, God, I've allowed the miracles to become routine. I confess, I confess in your provision and your miracles, I've allowed them to become routine in my life. And I'm even at times looking back And I'm looking back too much, talking about the good old days, as opposed to being grateful today and trusting you for the future. And I've even allowed myself to become a bit prideful. Look what I've done. And look what I've accomplished. So Lord, I confess to you now. My sin. My rebellion. And deep in my heart. I want to be thankful for your provision and who you are and what you've done. So, would you bow your heads with me? Just close your Bible, bow your head with me. Here's what I want us to do I want us to enter into just a very brief season of preparing our hearts for communion, for the Lord's Supper. How's your heart? Paul commands the church, and he says to the church, Hey, before you take the Lord's Supper, examine yourself. And he warns the church not to take communion in vain. So it's not just because we're just a few days away from Thanksgiving. But how is my heart? God is concerned with your, just with God's people in the wilderness, he was was more concerned with their hearts. So I'm gonna pray for us. And then we're gonna stand together and we're gonna worship. And it's an opportunity for you to come to this altar. It's, It's an opportunity for you to, Your chair can become an altar. You can just kneel or sit right where you are. But let's do business with God. And let's examine our hearts and let's let's confess the pride. Let's confess the routine. And so God, I pray that in these days we would literally begin making the list, looking back in these last 11 months in the different ways that you just, in small miraculous ways, you just came through. Lord, not just for us, but but I can see it in different ways in my family. And so God, I wanna write these things down so that I can be sure to give you praise and that maybe even my family can can talk about these things. God, help us to examine our hearts in these next moments. In preparation to take this bread and to take this cup, we consider who you are, the breath that you give us, the life that you give us, the abilities that you give us the provision daily and have hearts filled with gratitude so Lord in these moments work in us work in us in Jesus name amen let's stand together let's worship together these pastors are available the altar is open well let's worship